Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. I'm going to bring a lot of intensity this episode. Ooh, that'll just be fun. Mostly to you with the way I'm looking at you. Just like, can you describe it? It's very intense and very fierce. And yeah, cool. a lot of eye contact. I'm not going to look away from you this entire episode. That's going to be difficult. When I do have to refer to my notes, I'm going to kind of just like <laughs> hold it up in front of your face, but I'll always at least have one eye in my periphery. okay? Okay, I'm not going to do that. I need you to do that. I can't just give out that energy and you not give it back. Yeah. Babe. Yeah. How am I supposed to perform like it's this? It's just I, uh, my computer. I don't want to have to lift you it. You just looked away from me. I win. <laughs> we were actually having a secret staring contest. This is a show where we talk about things that are good and things that we are very into. And um, it's a it's a, it maybe a bit of a challenge considering um, everything. But we're, we're still happy to be here talking plugging to each along, other. You know, plugging along. On that enthusiasm train. Doing our best. Uh, hey, there's a poster with our faces on it. Yeah. It, um, it is incredible. Um, I never thought I'd be on a poster, but here I am on a poster. It was designed by Beck Hurley. You can get it at our store. If you go to macroy.family, you'll find a link. But yeah, if you like stuff like that, that's where we are. We, we look cute as hell. And we really it's on do. a poster. Um, you got any small ones? I was just trying to think about that. You're going to ask me to go first, aren't you? <laughs> I'm trying not to. Oh, what about, can I say, have I said copper mugs? A little copper mug? Have I, I think it? we've talked about specialty drinking cups before. I think you've done a segment. Oh my god! No, yeah, no, it's a, don't get discouraged. If you wanna, <laughs> if you do wanna talk about that, then you can you talk about that. You know, I I will share this anecdote. So um, we we purchased two copper mugs, exactly two, for the purpose of drinking one drink, which mm. is the Moscow Mule, and we were doing it on a Zoom call. And one of our friends thought we were so fancy, and I was so charmed by that. <laughs> yeah, they thought the cocktail itself was fancy, and I wanted to be like, it's vodka and ginger beer, and maybe <laughs> sometimes lemon juice. It's like not fancy. She told the story that there was a bar she went to in college that required you to turn in your ID if you were to drink out of a copper mug because they so had they had so much it? theft. Oh, God, yeah, I don't blame them. Uh, I'm going to say the Leatherman Multi-Tool. I'm almost certain we talked about the Leatherman multi-tool before, but we have two of these now in our house because I think I got one as a present from your parents. Yes. Uh, because we lost the other one, but then we found the other one. So now we got an upstairs one. It just lives on my desk now, and yeah. it, I use it all the time. And the one downstairs, like I use it all the time. It is so nice to not have to like run to the toolbox anytime I need uh, you know, uh, something to pry something or a knife or Griffith pliers does a lot or of whatever. prying. He doesn't talk I do. about it. That's me. <laughs> Typically, there's something in something and he wants to pry it open. I always need to get it out of there, don't mm -hmm. I? Mm -hmm. Those two things are attached. No thanks. Pry, 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 pry. <laughs> uh, hey, I go first this week, I believe. I think that's right. My first thing this week is one of those segments that I do sometimes where I try to justify a recent irresponsible purchase to oh. my wife, Rachel, because today I want to talk about 3D printing. Oh, should we have a song for irresponsible purchase? <laughs> You're feeling kind of down. You got a little bit of expendable income. You may as well use it to make yourself happy for a moment because it does not last. <laughs> Just gonna tide you over till the next thing that pulls you out of a depressive episode. Yay. Irresponsible purchase. <laughs> 
I love this. So I bought a 3D printer. Um, and I think 3D printer is cool. Except Can I say that we don't even have it in our house yet? Gets here today. Very excited. <laughs> uh, I think 3D printing, the concept of it, the tech evolution of it is very cool, except when people use it to make illegal guns. That part's not great, obviously. But putting that aside, 3D printing is pretty cool. Um, I think I, I think probably both of us were informed and myself sold on its capabilities on the Joko Cruise, which we've gone on a couple times now, uh, where uh, a person or group of persons, I'm not entirely sure who is re- the responsible party, uh, hid little 3D printed low poly uh, Pokemon all over the ship so that people could do like a real life Pokemon hunt. I feel like that is what is responsible for Henry being interested in Pokemon. I think so too, He's yes. finding those little creatures. Uh, it was also responsible for us not losing our minds at sea because Henry would get subbored and we yeah. would just wander around the ship trying to find little Pokemon toys the for him and he went not, wild for it. The ship was not designed for children and as such, like the gift well, shop. Well, not two-year-old children. They yes. have like facilities and but stuff. But like the gift shop, for example, did not have a lot of toys, which which concerned us. And then we found these little we guys. We found these little Oh my, so delightful and they were really cool. And then I learned like, hey, you can just like freaking make these you know what i mean so i'm excited to get a 3d printer for a few reasons but also because like it'll be neat to just make little figurines for them a lot of people use them to make like minis for a tabletop role-playing game things which is a a cool concept not that we you know have a a tabletop game here in town uh that we're playing uh there is i have yet to figure out how this is going to be useful to me and i feel and i know that's so important anytime i buy something for myself i feel like that's going to be important right how do i benefit from this and i haven't figured it out yet right it's like when you buy like a lush bath bomb set or something like that i'm like what do i get out of this (laughs) Uh and you have to be like well it make my skin it gets softer and smells better and Uh that's you have to be around me maybe you can make me some some beads that i could string i love that in a jewel rachel loves a bead i can make you a new toe ring (laughs) what do you think about that you want a new toe ring (laughs) i could make you a new very stylish cool toe ring i can put whatever the hell you want on there that's 3d printing baby i i made the mistake of bringing this up the other day that i wore a toe ring all the way until 2011 that's very soon that's not that long ago and now you all know it too now you know it as well i think 3d printing is like one of the more futuristic things to happen in in my lifetime uh, there's this book uh, that I, I like from Neil Stevenson, who's a sci-fi author, called The Diamond Age. Uh, and it's like this futuristic uh, book that isn't necessarily about this, but it informs like a lot of the story, uh, is that there are just publicly available uh, matter compilers just all over the place hooked up to this infrastructure system like water or electricity called the feed where just like anything you want you go and just print it off in in one of these compilers and i thought that was such like a cool concept in the book but now like you can kind of do that a little bit at home uh i am excited obviously to have it to make dumb stuff like little toys and things for for henry and other things that you know i just kind of want to goof around with um i've been getting into sort of like electronics modding stuff that started with like tweaking around with uh, switch controllers and things like that. And having a 3D printer opens up a lot of doors for that, whether it's like making parts or uh, components like drill guides to help you like actually do a good job with the uh, things that you're making. Um, but also there's like this annoying faction of, of things that if you lose them, you're just kind of up 
shit creek and like the thing i'm thinking of specifically is like the uh back of the like battery cover on a remote control if you lose that it's like well that's it but now like you have a way of kind of like if you can find the design for it obviously like printing it off and replacing it the idea of having that sort of uh means of production sort of available in your house it's just like a really, really neat concept to me. I don't know how actually like applicable it will be, but like having this other thing that, you know, if you need a document printed, you, you have a printer for that. If you need pasta extruded, you use a pasta extruder. That's a terrible <laughs> example. But like there are things that just like if you lose them or they break, you yeah. have to go out and buy them. But sometimes they're not available because they're very niche. And having something that can make things yeah. in the house that you otherwise couldn't get is like, a I don't know, I think is very, very, very cool. And how like readily accessible this 3D printer was not a very expensive purchase, like in the grand scheme of things. They make very, very inexpensive uh, models. I think it was like 170 bucks or something like that, which like compared to a few years ago is very very cheap for one of these yeah and you just run a little line of filament into it which is like not that expensive either and you can just start making stuff at home and i think that's very cool uh this technology sort of came about in the early 80s although uh as time has gone on it's become more sort of sophisticated and easier to put in your own house um and most of the time printers use a thing called fused deposition modeling where it just like sort of gooshes out little bits of uh filament hot filament at yeah, a time and I feel rings like I've seen as it videos goes. That. Watching a 3D printer work in, in like uh, time lapse is very cool. Apparently the prints take very long. So I'm not going to be like cranking out a lot of uh, material every given day. Uh, and I think it, where my interest also spiked was right around when coronavirus stuff was first hitting, uh, there were stories about this pair of Italian printers who were making these valves that were necessary for a certain type of breathing machine that was like in limited supply, like these valves were in limited supply and they were necessary uh, for this machine to work. And so they just started printing off these valves so that people could use the machine uh, without burning through this expensive sort of limited resource. And that story got a bit blown out of proportion and has been sort of like uh, corrected a bit because there were stories of like uh, the company who made that machine wanting to sue these guys and that the valves cost $10,000 a pop, which like that stuff wasn't necessarily true. But I like the idea of like these two have lives attributed to them that they saved because they were able to provide these little tiny plastic things that were essentially a bottleneck to people surviving COVID. Uh, and like the, the idea of having that sort of power in your hands is like super, super cool to me. Yeah, no, that is cool. Um, yeah, uh, I also know that people have used it to sort of make, um, mask hooks that you can kind of put on the back of your head. So oh. people who are working in, uh, like the medical field who need, uh, who, who are wearing masks all day, like it can get pretty uncomfortable around your ears if you're wearing them for hours and hours and hours at a time. So it's super easy to print out these little hooks that you just put on the back of your head and they hook on there instead. Uh, yeah, I think just conceptually having a way to make something that is not like, uh, before this like I couldn't make little plastic things like whatever it was and there's lots of things in our house that are little plastic things that break all the time like having the ability to sort of recreate that is is very very yeah. cool to me yeah. is it an irresponsible purchase still yes have I justified it no <laughs> 
This has been Irresponsible Purchase. This is my poetry corner. <laughs> I mean, I could also do a whole Irresponsible Purchase segment on the many tools that I have purchased uh, to work on my uh, electronics game. Uh, I bought a Dremel. Very excited to fuck around with that. I appreciate that so far your Irresponsible Purchases have been relatively small, so they do not take up a lot of space. Which yes. Is, which is nice. Yeah, I no, I'm not going to buy like a rock climbing wall. Or anything like that. Although. Although we do have a, hold on. Hmm. <laughs> hey, what's your first thing? My first thing. Yes. Is the singular laugh of Griffin McElroy. Aw, babe. <laughs> babe. <laughs> I'm talking about like the real laugh. The real shit. Did the you, one where you back away from the microphone. Where did you, when did you write this? Because we played some Jackbox games with our friends last night. And it was I yesterday was, while you were recording Besties. Oh, you were really busting up. I was ripping. Yeah, <laughs> we, were, we, we recorded two episodes of Besties back to back yesterday. Uh, and one of them is a very special episode where we decide a winner of the upcoming console wars. And I was no. just, man, I was just busting. Uh, I heard, so Henry was downstairs um, and he was being kind of grumpy and I could hear him from upstairs. And then I heard him say like, my daddy's laughing. That's oh, my daddy laughing. That's so good. And it seemed like it snapped him out of his... Uh, Snapped him out oh, of his that's funk. so pure. Yeah. I thought you may have written it last night because also on this, we have a weekly Zoom call with our friends that is like the highlight of my week and yeah. has we've been doing it for like two months now and it's like incredibly important to me. But also one of our <laughs> friends cut his own hair. <laughs> And it looks good on the front, but the back, it, the back looks like uh, on on Jackass. They used to do like this yeah. series of pranks where they would just go up to somebody and just shear off hair off the back yeah. of their head, and it looks like that. And I, li- I just fucking went into the ground. It was darling because his wife was like, "Oh, I wasn't going to say anything," and we just fully put him on just blast. fully ripped. <laughs> oh shit. Okay, sorry. Yes, my laugh is. Um, this is one of those things about Griffin that I think took a while for me to get used to. Um, <laughs> one of those things. One of those many, many things. He has a very, I mean, you all know it. He has a very loud, distinct laugh. And it is unlike any laugh I have heard before. And I think at first I was like, I was a little, I was a little, whoa, this is, this is unique about him. And <laughs> I've never thought, I know that it gets, I know that like, I am unable to control my laughing when it hits like a fever pitch, but I never knew it was like particularly like unique and how. Oh, people talk about it. Power. Oh, really? People talk about it. Occasionally, like I will get tweets about the show that will reference how much people have enjoyed your your raucous laughter. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. It is it is an endearing and beautiful quality about you. Do you have any peer-reviewed research uh, about my powerful laughter? Or? Well, no, I did some research on, on laughter in general. Oh, okay. what, what interested me specifically was that like distinct laugh, like mm. the fact that some people have a very like identifiable laugh. Like uh, the person that came up a lot was like Seth Rogen, for example. Yeah, his is not even necessarily loud. His is he. His is more just like it's just like <laughs> constant. <laughs> yeah. Well, and what I found that I really enjoyed. So there is a whole study of laughter, and it is called gelatology. Gelatology. It's spelled G E L O T O L O G Y. I actually looked up Google, like the thing where it'll tell you how to pronounce something it yeah. is it's pronounced jellotology i like that a lot babe. i know it's really good um and the thing that i was really excited about was a ted talk i found by sophie scott uh and she talks about a lot of things associated with laughter 
Uh, one thing she talks, she does like a whole diagram of the ribs and shows like how they like contract when you laugh and how many muscles you actually use throughout your body, Mm. which if anybody has ever been injured in the torso area, you really realize how many muscles you use when you laugh because it is excruciating. Yeah. People that have like injured a rib, for example, talk a lot about that. Um, but she also talks about, um, just the... People originally thought that human beings were the only ones that laughed, um, but actually rats and primates, most mammals, laugh. Yeah, the the primates doesn't, I feel like primates. Well, so they, they talk about, so if you tickle chimps or gorillas, they they laugh in kind of a panting way, which they think is kind of like the origin of laughter. Like as we have evolved, it has like taken a more... I was thinking more quality. Dunstan checks in, Dunstan pulls a prank on Jason Alexander and like... <laughs> Like does yeah. the, does the and, laugh? Uh, that they call I it like, like a I panting can, sound. Yeah, Monkey Trouble, you know, is another monkey-based movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what are some more of your favorite ones? <laughs> I mean, there's the episode of Quantum Leap uh, where Sam leaps into a uh, Holy a chimp. Shit, babe! What hasn't that gentleman jumped into? <laughs> So here's the thing that she talks about that I found particularly interesting that speaks a lot to the different types of laughter that people have. There's there's two types of laughter. There's what they call kind of social, what she calls posed laughter, which is what you do kind of when you're interacting with people that is a way of like connecting and bonding. And sometimes you're doing it to kind of support your friend. For, for their benefit. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. Uh-huh. And then there is what they call helpless or involuntary laughter, which is like the loud signature Griffin McElroy cackle. Yeah. Uh, is when something like really tickles you and you just can't control yourself. <laughs> you know what's funny is I... I, that makes so much sense to me. And like, as you were explaining it, I was like, yep, okay, that, that, that all clocks. And then I was thinking like, I don't think I've done the first laughter on one of our podcasts that I do with the fam in many, many, many years. Yeah, you just I stopped feel like I that only courtesy. Do this, yes. <laughs> um, they, uh, they say that when you are with another person, uh, you are 30 times more likely to laugh. So like if you're watching Whoa. something by yourself, you know, you're less likely to laugh out loud. That, yeah, absolutely. But they talk about a lot, like a lot of like the social capital of, of laughing and how it is a way of like showing community when you laugh. Um, so they said that helpless laughter is longer, louder and higher pitched. Um, a lot of times you can tell, like they've done a lot of experiments where people can tell right away if somebody is doing the social laughter or the helpless laughter, like you can hear it Mm -hmm. in your head. This is another thing, like your brother, Justin, for example, like the wheezing, like Mm -hmm. that's when you know you are hearing helpless laughter. Um, they also say that as far as that recognition, it gets clearer as you get older like for example you can fake laugh with a kid and they will not be able to tell you are fake laughing right but they said this this awareness really peaks in your 30s actually wow the people have more of awareness of like posed versus involuntary laughter and that gets more and more distinct the older you get huh um so yeah i would recommend if you're interested it's sophie scott it's a ted talk she plays a lot of laughs that they have collected (laughs) throughout their research, which are incredible. Mm. Um, And she also kind of quizzes the audience to see if they can tell the difference. uh, And everybody immediately gets right. It's a really cool TED Talk. I would recommend it. Uh, Just to cap this off, I I thought I would like show everybody like kind of what that laugh that I do that you love so much that you think is so cute. Oh, yeah, please, please. It's, it's, hold on, I got to tickle myself. (laughs) 
please. 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 Griffin, that laugh is just for me. That laugh is just for me. Please, please stop. Griffin, there are other people in our house right now. It's like that. Yeah, that's the one. Can I steal you away? It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghost Rider, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people, you you can sell uh, your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain griffin yeah you know it's a shame what is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? <laughs> it's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. <laughs> factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, there's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? <laughs> Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters with, I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. Hey, we have some personal messages, Griffin. Cool, cool, cool. This first one is from Matt. It is from Taylor. To my dearest Matt, you are truly the most wonderful thing to happen to me on my 30-ish years, on this weird spinning void rock. I love you, heart, body, and soul. You make me believe in the future, and I cannot wait to spend the rest of my days with you. You are mine, and I am yours. Love, your adorable space ace. That's very sweet, and I do, I sympathize with the 30-ish years, because I forget how old I am all the time, too. You know what I mean? (laughs) I think right now it's 32 or 33. It's around there. I shouldn't say that out loud. There's lots of um, people on the internet who I don't really understand who want to know all my stats. 
Uh-huh. My stats and statistics. What's weird is height. A lot of people Everyone seem to, wants to know my fucking height. If you look online, like, uh, Griffin's height is listed, and it is accurate. And everyone wants to know it. My shoe size. <laughs> uh, here's another one. This one is for Charlie, and it's from Jane, who says, While we are apart, I wanted to send a message to light up your little eggy head. You are the funniest and smartest hedgehog a duck could ask for, and I am constantly thankful for your care and your kindness and hope to continue to share love and fox pics with you. Continue being Bobo, Bebo. Continue continue being Bobo, Bebo. (laughs) Continue being Bobo, Bebo. Don't hoard all those fox pics, buh. Don't fucking bogart those fox pics, buh. What's a... What's a... What's a... A good fox pick? Yeah. Oh, man. Those faces. The, the little triangular the little faces. Hands. The little freaking hands with yeah. the toe beans, baby! <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Hi, I'm James, host of Minority Corner, which is a podcast that's all about intersectionality. It's hosted by James with a guest host every week. Discussing all sorts of wonderful issues, nerdy and political. Pop culture. Black, queer, feminism. Race, sexuality. News. You're going to learn your history, their self-empowerment, and it's told by what feels like your best friend. Why should someone listen to Minority Corner? Why not? Oh my God, free stuff. There's not free stuff. The listeners of Minority Corner will enjoy some necessary LOLs, but mainly a look at what's happening in our world through a colorful lens. People will get the perspective of marginalized communities. I feel heard. I feel seen. Like you said, you need to understand how to be more proactive in your community and this is a great way to get started. Join us every Friday on Max Fun or wherever you get your podcast. Minority Minority Corner. Corner. Because together, together we're the majority. majority. Can I hear your next thing? My next thing uh, probably will also not come as a surprise to Rachel. It is a, a television program that we've been watching a lot of, and then I can't can't stop thinking about. It is Taskmaster, uh, a British comedy show that uh, so many people have recommended to me uh, yeah. over the, the, the past year or so. Yeah, and it is something that I had never heard of until very recently, and now it seems like everybody is talking about it, and I completely... And we slept on it so hard. Completely understand why. Uh, and I feel bad for how much we have slept on it because it is like, again, it has just consumed my every thought. It's all I want to do is watch it. Uh, and great news, it's like all on YouTube right yeah, now. Yeah, multiple whole, seasons. Full episodes all on YouTube. It's official channel, not like pirated shit, like the real, real uncut stuff. I am going to try and describe Taskmaster, but I think one of the reasons why it didn't really land uh, for me, like one of the reasons why I didn't immediately seek it out when uh, my, my friends were telling me about it, is that I think it's kind of difficult to describe in a way that makes it sound as funny as it actually is. Yeah, and it varies so much episode to episode because the tasks are always changing. Right, so uh, the basic premise, each episode, there are five comedians, uh, the same five comedians throughout like a six to ten episode series, compete in a challenge, a, a series of like seemingly menial challenges uh which they try to they compete to solve sort of as quickly or cleverly or efficiently as possible depending on what the task sort of uh, yeah and there are very little rules or parameters and so it's really on the creativity of the comedian to figure out how to do the how to best solve do the task it could best be i think it could be described as like lateral thinking the game and that is where like the true joy of of taskmaster lies yeah so they'll walk into a room and there'll be a card there that will give them the task and 
and then, you know, they are filmed as they are completing the task. And it's how they find the wiggle room in those rules that, like, much of the comedy of the show comes from. Uh, What is also very funny is that the show is staged in front of a live studio audience where these five contestants uh, are being judged uh, by Greg Davies, who plays the Taskmaster, and his production assistant, uh, uh, Alex Horn, who's the actual creator of the show, but plays this, like, deferent figure. Oh, she I didn't Greg- know that. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, he's the creator of the show, and he plays just oh. this sort of, like, uh, obsequious, like, That's incredible. Helper. Uh, and what's great is they don't know what their competitors did each challenge. Like they all had to do these challenges and they don't know how their, their competitors approached it and them watching each other, like do these sometimes profoundly strange solutions to the puzzles is like so hysterically funny. These puzzles are filmed off site and then they all watch the video together on on stage in front of an audience. Each episode also starts with a prize challenge where they uh, all bring something that will be in the prize pool for that episode that the winner will walk away from. And it will be things like your most valuable possession. Uh, And in one of the challenges, like one of the, the prizes somebody brought in was like their wedding ring. They're like, yeah, it's my... (laughs) <laughs> That's my most valuable possession. I sure hope I don't lose. Can uh, you give an example of a task? I have several examples of the tasks here. Uh, first episode, I think maybe even the first challenge, uh, is the comedians walk into a room one at a time, and sitting on a table in a room like sort of surrounded in plastic wrap is a watermelon. And they open the card, and it says, you have 60 seconds to eat as much of this watermelon as you can, and your time starts right now. (laughs) So you see this, every challenge, you see a basic sort of like panic response as they like try to immediately start putting together a game plan. And without fail, each challenge, there you see a lot of different approaches to it. Uh, a, A few of the contestants just like immediately get the knives out and start cutting the watermelon in half. One of the contestants just picks up the half of it and starts burying their face in it and eating it. One of them actually picks up a spoon and starts like scooping it into their mouth. Uh, one of the contestants, Tim Key, uh, who was like a superstar the first series yeah. uh, with the way he comes up with solutions to things, uses the corner of the table to just kind of like smash into it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> another one, uh, Ramesh Ranganathan, who was probably my favorite contestant in the first uh, series, Picks it up, hoists it over his head, and just immediately smashes it to the floor. I watched this clip of this happening today as we were prepping for this like five times. It never fails to make me laugh because of his surprise at how quickly it just shoots all over the room like a bomb has gone off. And then he realizes he has to eat it off the floor. And he like... His immediate regret is so fucking funny to me. Uh, That's like an example of like how things can like uh, how people approach things in different ways. Uh, In one of the challenges, probably one of my favorites in the first series, they have to all the challenge says is throw a tea bag into a mug from as far away as possible. Furthest from the mug wins. You have one hour or something like that. Yeah. Um, and you see uh, Ramesh just sets up a bunch of mugs in like a cluster and you're like, oh, how clever. And then he starts throwing dry tea bags at them, which like don't have a lot of great momentum or velocity. Yeah. And like almost towards the end of the challenge, he realizes like, oh, if I get these wet, they would go a lot further, which like everybody else figured out yeah. fairly quickly. <laughs> uh, one of the contestants built like a cardboard chute that they put the mug at the bottom of so that you could throw it at the shoot and it would have a bigger target. Tim Key, who is the master of lateral thinking, uh, digs a funnel into the ground and puts the mug inside of that ground dirt funnel, uh, builds a backboard out of like a big tarp, <laughs> and then cuts open a tennis ball 
and tucks a tea bag inside the tennis ball and then uses a tennis ball sort of like thrower that you would use at like a dog park or something like that to launch it from like so far away and gets this it is, in his first shot. This is what's incredible about this show is it seems like they have unlimited resources available to them. Mm-hmm. Like I, I recognize it probably is limited in some way, but it they come up with these ideas and these constructions that take like any number of supplies. Yes, the the uh, Rube Goldberg machines that they sometimes build uh, to solve these tasks are like uh, it's like a different. It's like a strange kind of humor, those because like. It is a, and this is very British, I feel like, of just like, oh, how clever! Like, you get a laugh out of just like how fucking clever and smart a, a, a solution. Like, it is, because comedy is all about like the unexpected. And so this is a very kind of like weirdly cerebral, unexpected laugh that you get. Sometimes yeah. it's fucking funny. When when Ramesh smashes the watermelon to the ground, it's hysterical. Uh, his look of regret as he realizes he's wasted all this time throwing dry tea bags is hysterically funny. But seeing somebody put together a contraption uh, that yeah. is so smart or see how it works. Another uh, great example is uh, one of the contestants. There's a challenge where all they have to do is they have a half hour to collect as many tears in a cup as possible. So a lot of people are like cutting onions or watching sad things on a computer to try and like make themselves cry which like most people are not able to do one of the contestants realizes it doesn't say your own tears so he gets the entire production crew together and has them cut onions while he sings them this beautiful (laughs) traditional like folk ballad and he wins because he collects the most tears from everybody else in the cup Uh, it, it is it is such a universally like great idea it is such a universally funny idea so much so that like we've watched uh a series and a half now we don't know any of the comedians that have been on it so far but they are still like we don't need that recognition to make us laugh there is a series coming up with james acaster on it that i cannot fucking wait for because he is incredibly funny uh it is also universal enough that it has had uh, a few different uh international versions yeah i was gonna ask about that there was a version in the u.s on comedy central uh, it ran for one season. Alex Horn was the producer of it. He played his production assistant role. The uh, what? This will be fun. Guess who they got as the taskmaster? Greg Davies is just this very sort of uh, tyrant king figure on the show who like judges who wins uh, and who has broken the rules each episode. So who do you think they got for the? Am US? I? Do I know this person? Yeah. Not not personally, but yeah. Like, but like, am I? Is it possible for me to guess it? Uh, I, no, because I don't know that it's a it, it 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 is matches that energy necessarily. I love who they cast. I do not think it was a great pick necessarily for the Taskmaster. Ah, uh, Joe Rogan. Jesus God, no. <laughs> Jesus God, no. I would have said John Hodgman. I thought I think would be like oh, fucking would hysterical be good. and would be like perfectly matches that. Energy. They got Reggie Watts, who I adore, oh. and I think is like very very funny and talented. But like, it's not like Greg Davies is an asshole on the show, and like yeah. I would never use that to describe Reggie Watts. So it no. ran. It, it also like they, wait, what are you saying about John Hodgman? <laughs> <laughs> well, John Hodgman can play a character who is very That's like true. yeah. Uh, and the the vibe was just kind of wrong. Like it it, it, it never quite like. I think I think Taskmaster has yeah. a very very specific vibe that the, the U.S. version didn't really get. So the host has to be a little subdued. Like the host doesn't typically draw focus from the contestants, and I feel like Reggie Watts. Part of what's so great about him is he has this big personality, and it would have like he'd have to be kind of restrained. I feel there, like. there's a lot of restraint in the show. That, yeah, that, that I, I fucking hate being the guy that's just like yeah, the UK version of the yeah. Little winner because I don't feel that way about uh, a lot of things, including yeah. The Office. Come at me, um, but. 
uh, it ran for one season and then got canceled. And I, I would love, I would, I, th- I still think there's, there's a chance for it to like come back. It is such a brilliant idea for a show that I would love, um, you know, to see, to see uh, a U.S. version of it. But fortunately, there's a lot of episodes of the U.K. version of it. All of them are YouTube on YouTube. Uh, and you should watch it because it's it's fucking hysterical. It has brought a lot of joy into mine and Rachel's lives over the past couple of weeks. So check it out. What's your second thing? My second thing. Now, I have talked about, I believe a small wonder I had at one point was printing a digital photo mm. so you can actually physically have it. But I have not talked about photo albums, which is something oh, that I love. Yeah, I bet I know what inspired this. Well, actually, you know what was funny is that I came up with this before. Oh wow! Before yesterday, um, so part of what I really loved growing up, and this might be an only child thing, but um, I really loved looking at photo albums before I was born. Oh, um, interesting. My parents, when they were younger, one thing that happened when my mom's parents passed was that her older sister, I believe, just went through boxes and boxes of photos and made each of their siblings like an album that had primarily pictures of them in oh it. that's great uh and it's just fascinating to me like i i there was something really interesting to me about seeing my parents when they were younger because to me they look totally different than oh they yeah do now and it was just like a, a weird thing to kind of wrap my head around as a kid uh and it's something that i love to do when I go home, I love seeing pictures of me as a kid, too. Yeah. Especially now that we have Henry, like, to see the similarities at the different age It's range. wild, yeah. It's, it's cool. I feel like my uh, version of this was home movies, which, like, yeah, you know, no, I was, like, true. obsessed with our home movies that's growing up. very true. Um, it is something, you know, as you know, my dad is a, a collector of many things, but my mom and I have the common trait of just, like, kind of liking photos and really nothing else. Right. Uh, so that was one of the first things I did with Henry after he turned or right around when he turned a year old. I like made sure to like pull all the photos off of Facebook and put it in like an album of his first year. Yeah. Uh, and then yesterday, totally unprompted, we have hired uh, child care support so that Griffin and I can continue to work. Uh, and, uh, her name is Sarah. She just kind of unprompted made this little photo scrapbook of like her, her summer with Henry and all these pictures I had never seen before. So darling. And you could tell I'd been taken over a series of days because he's wearing like different outfits. And I was just so like endeared and like charmed by it. I just, I love photo albums. Uh, it's something that I feel like is really important to me. Uh, because I feel like once you put photos like in the digital space, it's like less likely for you to look at them. Yeah. We did finally get one of those like digital photo frames, uh, from Griffin's dad and it's helped a lot to like get us looking at older pictures. I have always thought about those as being the purview of, uh, older folks because like, I, I don't know, I'm fine with the static images that don't move like a, like they're in the Harry Potter castle. What's it? Hogwarts. Jesus. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, having that, we have that in our kitchen. So like, we're just constantly walking by it and it's, it is, uh, you know, it's very nice. It's, it actually makes me feel a little, uh, more homesick than I like thought I I would feel. Cause like I, this is the, by far the longest I've ever gone without seeing, seeing my family. Uh, Yeah. And it is, it's like, it's comforting in a way to see those pictures, but it is also just like, it reminds you that like, you cannot be with those people right now, which is also difficult. Um, I when I was looking into photo albums, um, 
first of all, like it just this should not be a surprise, but like photo albums have existed since basically you could have a photo. Right. Like since the eighteen fifties. There's the oldest one is is in the Library of Congress right now. Uh, but there is an artist who in twenty thirteen did an exhibition called Album Beauty in France. Uh, that over 15 years of like flea markets and secondhand stores, he just like compiled all of these like photos he found. Cool. Um, and turned it into an exhibit and made it kind of something you could walk through. Like the images were blown up and displayed as wallpaper. Others were in like interactive albums that you could like leaf through. There were photo uh, life-size props that you could put your face into. <laughs> and then photos printed on the carpet that you could walk over. Jesus. Uh, and so this artist obviously spent a lot of time just looking through other people's photo albums. And he said, this is what I found interesting. So this artist uh, is er- Eric Kessels. And he said that most people make an average of seven or eight albums during their lifetime. <laughs> I feel like I've already done that many. Well, yeah, that's that's what's interesting. He He kind of noticed some themes, though. He said that the first album he would find is usually when a couple meets each other. Oh. And so there's a lot of photos of the couple. You know, they're like going on trips together. You know, they're like being with friends and all this stuff. And then after that is more related to the marriage. So right. there's like the wedding album. Uh, and then the third one is usually dedicated to either the first child or if they do not have a child, their pets. Okay. <laughs> and uh, then he said the fourth through seventh albums are kind of like a complete mix of like holidays, important occasions. Boudoir. It's kind of like... <laughs> like... Everyone has a boudoir album, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we, I mean, we got a few of them. Yeah, I know. Griffin... Uh, Griffin is the master of the uh, erotic pose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I it's a uh, yeah. It's, and he he can be doing any kind of, you know, menial task too. Like he, yeah. he can make, you know, taking the garbage out erotic. Right. And we have a whole album dedicated to that. Yeah, well, I have a lot of sort of like um sort of voluntary muscular control in my butt cheeks. Yes. No, that's true. Each individual one right any any position too he can be in repose and that that can butt him, i can make him clap or <laughs> oh God. Uh, you'd spread him out pretty wide what were you saying <laughs> i wanted to talk about the eighth album of the seven or eight that most people make uh which is usually when the couple is older and they are traveling together mm. this is like particularly like relevant to me my grandparents my dad's parents traveled a lot once they retired and just have all of these albums of just like landscapes from different countries they went to which is not particularly interesting to me but the artist said that that is usually what happens is that the couple is typically less interested in each other (laughs) (laughs) and they tend to make more photos of the environment they're in right uh which is yeah like anytime anyone gets back from a vacation and they like bring all these photos of like here's a mountain we saw it's like great i want to see you i want to see you in a place um well but then they have their ninth album which is their sort of uh elderly boudoir Uh, (laughs) one to sort of cap it off do you want to know what our uh, friends at home are talking about Please. Okay, well, this one is from Tasha, who says, My small wonder are fireflies. In my 32 years, this is the first time I've seen a yard full of them bopping around. 
I wonder where Tasha lived for that long to not see. I mean, I guess in the, if you're si- in in the city. If you're in a super urban environment, it's yeah. hard to see them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I mean, these are pff, these little bugs. These I still get delighted. I don't know what it is. I guess because you don't see them as much in the non-summer months. Right. But every time they appear, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, we had our first firefly sighting this week, too. Uh, and like just seeing them like through the window, just like seeing one. I get so excited. Like, was that a firefly? <laughs> you have to look and confirm. Okay. Uh, Shannon says, something I find wonderful this time of year is taking a moment to enjoy a powerful AC unit. I work in an order fulfillment warehouse, and it always feels so good to slowly stroll down the aisle where the big AC unit is located and just feel the breeze on my skin, plus it provides a much-needed relief for my masked face. Mm. Mm. I mean, it's very, very good. Coming in from outside into an air-conditioned room is very great. Uh, this made me nostalgic for... Um, our wall, our like window AC unit. We had one like in mine and Travis's bedroom that we shared that was like. I, I had one in mine too. Those old houses, like if you were on the second floor, it was impossible, it was impossible. to keep it cool. Yeah. So we'd have to like leave the door closed. That was like a big thing. We'd get in trouble if we left the door open with the AC on. Uh, but the smell, there's like a smell that it oh. created that like I got very, very nostalgic for. It felt like very, very kid summer vibe to me. This yeah. took me back. Uh, hey, thank you to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. And uh, you can check out all the shows on the Maximum Fun Network uh, and enjoy them and think they're cool and subscribe to them and listen to them. Uh, I'm going to recommend Baby Geniuses. Okay. Super, super funny ladies. Check it out. Uh, yeah. Uh, Fanti, I know we, we, uh, hosted one of their episodes on this show. I've been listening to them, uh, every week and, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's incredibly good. You should, you should, I'm assuming you're already listening. This is redundant. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I wanted to thank everybody uh, for your patience. We have been a little late on our episodes lately. Uh, it's been a little more challenging to find the time, but we are yes. we are figuring it out, and we are dedicated doing, to you, doing the our listener. Best. Uh, oh, uh, we're uh, the new Adventure Zone comic uh, graphic novel uh, book comes out in a couple weeks. Yeah, you should pre-order it at theadventurezonecomic.com. We just got it this morning. It uh, is it is a lovely thick book. Yeah, it's a it's a dense one. It's got lots of great jokes in it and cool art, though. Uh, I think that's it. Thank you again, and uh, good night, and good luck. Do you know? Uh-huh, yeah. Good night, and good luck. Mm-hmm. That's a really good... Edward Murrow? Is Edward that his... R. Murrow. I don't care about his middle name. People always use the middle initial, though. It's important. I'm just going to call him Edward Murrow. I'm in a hurry. Good night, and good luck. That's what he sounded like. He would get angry at the end of each broadcast. <laughs> good night and good luck. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported. I started listening to Ono, Ross, and Carrie shortly after I broke my arm, and the doctor had told me I'd never walk again. I couldn't get my book started. I was lost. Honestly. 
I knew it was time to make a change. There's something about Oh No, Ross and Carrie that you just can't get anywhere else. They're thought leaders, discoverers, founders. I'd call them heroes. Ross and Carrie don't just report on French science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal. They take part themselves. They show up so you don't have to. But you might find that you want to. My arm is better. I can walk again. I wrote an entire book this weekend. It's terrible, but I did it. Just go to MaximumFun.org. Thank, Thank you, Ross, Ross and Carrie. Ona Ross and Carrie is just a podcast. It doesn't do anything. It's just sounds you listen to in your ears. All these people are made up. Goodbye.